Hello and welcome to The Walk, a podcast where we discuss parenting and what the Bible says about it. God's Word contains truth, encouragement, and application, which we want to share with you. The mom or dad journeying through the chaos of raising kids, from the newborn to the rebellious teenager, our mission is to provide you with hope and skills that allows you to be the parent God calls you to be. You know, oftentimes there's this expectation to feel all warm and fuzzy about becoming a parent and welcoming a new baby into the world. But what happens when you don't feel that? Are you a bad parent if you don't have these ooey, gooey feelings for your baby? Or maybe your spouse has overwhelming affection for the baby and you feel apathetic or even angry or frustrated with yourself because you don't have these feelings that you thought you were supposed to have. I'm telling you that actually... It's quite normal. This was the experience I had, and I'm here to tell you that it's okay. And with some research and advice, this episode is to help you navigate through some of those emotions or lack thereof. And I am mostly talking to dads, but moms can feel apathetic towards their newborn also. I am flying solo today, and I'd like to focus on attachment to your newborn, what it is, how it works, and why it doesn't always feel the same for a new mom and dad. And our verse for this week falls under Jeremiah chapter 1, verse 5. It says, Before I formed you in the womb, I knew you. Before you were born, I set you apart. You see, God uses people and is with people. And I'm a firm believer that God uses children to sanctify adults, parents specifically. Oh, how rich it is to pursue God as a mom or dad. It is probably the hardest, most challenging thing you will experience in life. And once you become a parent, it doesn't end when your child turns 18. Parenting just changes form. But our focus is attachment between a new baby and a mom and dad. So what is attachment? In their book, Attachment Parenting, William and Martha Sears, a pediatrician and a registered nurse, define attachment as a relationship in the service of a baby's emotional regulation and exploration. It is the deep abiding confidence a baby has in the availability and responsiveness of the caregiver. Now that's kind of a loaded definition, so I'm going to summarize here for a second. So the idea of attachment is this bond that is formed between baby and caregiver, whether that's mom, dad, or both, and how confident and secure that baby feels when being cared for by the parents. And the reason this is so important is that the attachment bond that is formed in the first six months of a baby's life has an impact on their childhood, teenage years, and even adulthood. There's an article titled, Why Attachment Parenting is Not the Same as Secure Attachment. 
And it goes into so much depth about the benefits and neurobiology of attachment. But it also discusses the, neg- the negative effects that there is in a lack of attachment between the baby and the caregiver. And there's so many important factors found later on in life that come from attachment in the early stages. One being that your child is a more reliable, independent person once they reach adulthood, if they have a secure attachment when they're little. And to list a few other benefits, they typically have higher self-esteem, better coping skills when under stress, they have better emotional regulation, and more positive relationships with parents and siblings. But the opposite is also true. For insecure attachments, that can lead to negative effects such as being more dependent upon others and having more anxiety later in life. So what is this secure and insecure attachment? Well, simply put, it's the concept of an infant feeling a sense of comfort and security from a parent or a lack of comfort and security from a parent when they're a newborn. There's many things out there that discusses things that parents can do to bond with their baby. You might have heard of a few such as skin-to-skin, breastfeeding, snuggling, kisses, singing and reading out loud. What's profound to me, though, is that the high majority of the research is based off of the mother-child bond, but there isn't a ton of studies on the father-child bond, especially when it comes to the first six months of the baby's life. I think there's a reason for why that is, but also I think there is more that needs to be said about what fathers feel and experience when you bring home little Johnny for the first time. I believe most dads feel a sense of love and excitement when a new baby is born and when you become a father for either the first time or the sixth time. But in my experience, the adrenaline, the positive affection that you feel is short-lived. You see, once you bring the baby home and it's crying, all of a sudden you don't feel all warm and fuzzy anymore. What's even more frustrating is that when you try to hold the baby, try to contribute, it might not want to be held by you. It just wants mom. And sometimes... Mom is the only one who can calm the baby down, so it'll stop crying. So the holding and rocking for dad is limited, often to only a few minutes before being passed back to mom again. Why is that? Well, you see, there's a scientific reason, but I'm going to summarize it and save you all the nerdy details. But what it really comes down to is that mom and the baby have already been bonding for nine months, and dad is new to the game, at least to the baby. And it might not recognize your voice, your smell, your touch, all of it. You know, it can take upwards of six months before your infant warms up to dad. But that doesn't mean dad should be absent for the first six months of the baby's life. I said it can take up to six months. That's if dad is being intentional with bonding with the child 
If dad isn't even trying to bond with the baby, it could take longer. I fall under this category. You see, I did a poor job being intentional with bonding with my girls for their first six months of life. I wasn't absent by any means, but I wasn't incredibly intentional either. And I'll explain more on that later. But dads, you have to take baby steps when trying to bond with your new son or daughter. An instant bond isn't going to happen for the high majority of you. You have to work at it, even if it's for only 10 minutes at a time. The intentionality and the effort is what's important. And when holding your kid, singing, reading, snuggling, it generates or releases oxytocin, a hormone, in the baby that helps strengthen the relationship. Until the baby gets familiar with dad, oxytocin might not get released. It's easier for the oxytocin to get released when interacting with mom because that bond has already started to form and grows even stronger if mom's breastfeeding. Dads obviously can't do that. So all you dads out there, you got to be patient with yourself. I'm telling you, if your child cries every time you hold him, it's all right. It's normal. Don't get frustrated with yourself. Don't think of yourself as a failure. Be patient, because as the child gets older, that's really when dad, you become vital in that relationship. And that's for another episode. But some things that you can do to bond with your newborn. This is for the dads out there. See, a lot of this has to do with stimulating those five senses. Gentle, physical touch is arguably the most important in those first six months. So here's a list of things that you can try. Rocking. Rocking chair, yoga ball, standing up, tickling around the tummy area. That's the second one. Kisses. Now, you got to be conscientious if you have facial hair because you could be scratchy and you can cause scrapes on their skin, which can cause negative effects. So just be careful. One of my personal favorites is the boba wrap. I loved this. It basically holds your baby close to your body and frees up your hands. It's super cool to me, but many times it took longer to put on and get situated than what my kids actually stayed in it. And the last one is a soothing sound of your voice, reading or singing. And this allows them to get used to your voice so that they recognize you. So let's throw a couple hypotheticals out here. Let's say that you tried every one of these five things and they all failed. And maybe it took you five minutes to try each one. Well, if you do the math, that's 25 minutes of intentional bonding with your baby. It doesn't sound like much. But if you tried this for a few times a day, every day, you'll develop that attachment and that bond in no time. The point is, dads, you need to be intentional. Even if your baby doesn't want to be around you, that's normal. But moms need to understand this too. Because getting frustrated with your husband because he could only hold the baby for five minutes before it starts crying... Hey, dads don't like feeling helpless, but that's oftentimes how we feel. And we quite often don't know what to do about it. That's why you dads out there have to be patient with yourself. Because if your baby doesn't want to be held by you, 
and your wife gets frustrated with you, you might feel like you're failing. If you keep trying, you aren't failing. It takes time. A lot of time. You'll get the hang of it. Just keep trying to be gentle and soothing. It's hard to do. It really is. I get it. I understand where you're coming from. And I'll share more about this later after the break when we jump into real life with the Smiths. Stay tuned. Welcome back. This is Real Life with the Smiths, a section of the show where we talk about what goes on in the Smith house. So my personal bonding story goes something like this. With my older daughter, she didn't like to be held. Like, at all. Putting her to sleep was such a pain because she would fight it. She is a very determined little bugger. But like I mentioned earlier, I tried to rock her, and oftentimes it didn't last long before I gave her over to Laura. However, somewhere between, I don't know, six, nine months, somewhere in there, something switched. It was like, a, it was like magic to where I could rock her for an extended period of time. And sometimes it was 45 minutes before she'd fall asleep. Now, at that moment, it felt like an eternity. It was awful. My arms were exhausted every night. 45 minutes just to rock her to sleep at bedtime. And I didn't realize this until later, but those 45-minute rocking sessions where she wasn't going to sleep, that was bonding. That was developing attachment. This helps the comfort and security of the baby, like I mentioned at the beginning of the episode. And you know what? It might have taken six months before I could really get to that point, but I didn't stop trying. And to be honest, I actually kind of felt proud that I could rock her to sleep, and sometimes Laura couldn't. Now, our youngest, different story. I told myself that when she was born, I wouldn't make the same mistakes, that I'd do a better job. Well, the truth is, I didn't make the same mistakes. I made all new ones. For the first month of her life, I felt like a champ. I bounced on a yoga ball for hours, rocked her to sleep. I was on my way to dad victory. The problem was that she cried a lot. And the crying didn't stop at one month. It was about nine months before she would finally regulate those cries. And I'm not kidding. It was constant. It was awful. I'd actually detached myself from her because she made me so angry. She made me so frustrated. And unfortunately, many times I actually resorted to self-harm just to cope with it. You see, the way that our work schedule works in our house is that Laura works at the hospital on weekends. Most of the time it's just one day, like Saturday, but occasionally it's both Saturday and Sunday which means I'm at home with both kids. One of them was a toddler, one of them an infant, for about 13 hours alone. 
And I remember specifically, I would do really well up until about that 11th hour, you know, right around 5.30, 6 o'clock in the evening. That was my breaking point. Like, that was the point where I had my fill of the crying. And I never did anything to hurt her or anything like that, but I do remember multiple times I slammed my fist on something, the ground, a wall, just to create some sort of pain on my body just to cope with it. I can't quite explain it, but a lot of times I I just had to put her in her crib and let her cry it out because that's all I could do at that moment. And of course, I felt like a failure, and that's why I began to detach myself emotionally. Like I, I needed to separate myself because I felt like I just couldn't handle it. And it was such a dark place for me emotionally. It's a place where I don't want to go back to. And this was definitely a key reason why I felt like I couldn't have any more kids. Like I couldn't handle it. And maybe you dads out there have gone through something similar. You know, everybody's story is different. And if you hit a low point, I mean, you hit a low point and you're at your limit, just know that you aren't alone. And know that you aren't failing as a dad. It feels like you are, but you're not. If you're trying to care for your kid, you're doing your best, you're doing great. Don't give up. Don't isolate yourself or detach like I did. The struggle will pass, and new challenges will arise. But dads, you have a unique purpose for your children when they are a little bit older. So in my personal opinion, I believe that the newborn stage is the hardest stage as a dad. And you all that are listening might disagree, and that's perfectly fine. I'm limited to only, uh, you know, parenting for about six years, so I still have a lot to learn. But so far, this newborn stage has been the hardest for me. And I want to close with some walking wisdom, because my walking wisdom for you today is an encouragement. You know, keep being intentional. Listen, here, here's what I've done in the past. I actually got this idea from a teacher friend of mine while living in Arizona. She has four kids of her own, and one night she received a phone call from one of her friends who was a new mom and was struggling, and she literally drove over to their house to help. You know, whether it was to rock the baby or hold the baby so that the parents could take a nap, I don't know what they did, but she drove over there to help. And it stuck with me because I know the importance of that kind of help. I've actually offered the same to friends who are new dads. If they're at a point where they can't handle it, they're at their limit, I tell them to give me a call and that I would drive there and help out because I know what it's like to feel helpless and to feel like a failure and to know that I've reached my limit, and I just needed someone to talk to or to encourage me. But I didn't always have that. Find that friend who is willing to drive to your house at a moment's notice to help you. Or if you want to be so bold, be that friend who is willing to drive to somebody's house at the drop of a hat and help with a screaming, crying baby. It's a bold move to do, but boy, you talk about supporting someone in one of the most 
vulnerable moments of their life, that has Christ written all over it. Going the extra mile to help with a crying baby so that your friends can take a nap because they haven't slept in two days, that's a statement. That's all for today. Items, links, and show notes can be found in the description of wherever you listen to podcasts. Be sure to subscribe to our show, and we will send you a list of our top three parenting books for 2022. We want to say thank you to Pixabay Music and all of you that are listening to our podcast. We appreciate all of your support, and thanks again. This is The Walk.